Welcome to All Out Living, the podcast dedicated to providing you tools, information, advice, motivation, and much, much more in the areas of fitness, health, wellness, and style, helping you live an all-out life. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Orange Theory Fitness, Brownsville, home of the best one-hour workout in fitness. Orange Theory, a one-hour full-body workout, heart rate-based interval training, if you're looking for accelerated results, go see our friends at Orange Theory. Keep burning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to All Out Living. It's a beautiful day here in Austin, Texas. I am here with our guest, Dr. David Lakey, who is Vice Chancellor of Health Affairs and Chief Medical Officer for the University of Texas System. Uh, we thought it appropriate at this point in in our podcast to bring in some medical professionals. We talk a lot about motivation. I believe it's important to get into the science of healthcare, the science of health and wellness. So Dr. Lakey, welcome to the show. Thank you, Representative Lucio. It's good to see you. Thank you for making time. Your position here with UT System is obviously a demanding one. I'm fascinated by by doctors generally, how much you (laughs) have to study and do in residency just to get into the game of practicing medicine, uh, but much less grow your uh, career like you have. So uh, thank you for making time today. That's a privilege. Well, I want to, again, thank our friends at Orange Theory Fitness Brownsville. Things are going really well at the studio. Our members continue to give us great feedback about their experience with uh, fitness, with uh, the classes. A lot of great things are coming from the corporate office. So we're excited about the the future of our of our fitness in Brownsville, Texas, and across our network. We hope to come to you weekly, bringing you information about health, wellness, uh, fitness, and many many other things to help you live an all out life. So. Let's talk to to David Lakey. Doc, tell me where you grew up and how you eventually ended up in Texas. Thank you, Eddie. I I actually grew up in Indiana uh, and spent the the first um, 26 years in Indiana. I went to college, went to medical school at Indiana University, uh, then went to Vanderbilt University and did a combined internal medicine pediatric residency program and then infectious disease. I fell in love with infectious diseases. And... Uh, came to Texas in 1998 thinking I'd only be here for three years to get mentored by some researchers and fell in love with public health, fell in love with Texas, and went a very different direction than the folks at Vanderbilt thought I was going to do when I came to Texas. So was your initial belief that you were going to be a researcher? It, it, when you say Vanderbilt, what, what was that expectation that they had? I think at Vanderbilt, they try to guide folks into becoming researchers. Uh, I think inside me, there's always been a a craving to to help people, um, to help the underserved, and to to reach out and provide medical care. Um, And so there came a time when I had to kind of realign kind of my life priorities and direction and and go in a different way. That's right. Hearing your calling, following that calling is important, I think, uh, for not only your success, but for your happiness with Mm -hmm. what you're doing. Uh, well, we're glad you're in Texas. Oh, thank you. So you you stayed in Texas. You finished your research project. Then wh- where did your career take you from there? Yeah, so, so I landed in Texas in 1998, and about two years into that, made the decision to, to do more uh, infectious disease work. I uh, had an HIV clinic, 
uh, infectious disease clinic, became working um, with the, the local health department on, on their board, became very involved in disaster response uh, and in response to Katrina and Hurricane Rita. And after that, um, in 2007, uh, was asked by Governor Perry to become the Commissioner of Health for the state of Texas and was privileged to work with some of the most dedicated folks uh, in the nation trying to improve health here in the state. And did that for about eight years. And then three years ago, came over to the University of Texas system. Tell us about the, the name of the agency is Department of State Health Services. That correct? is correct. Uh -huh. Okay, so I want to go back to that. Okay, that's a, that's a whole subject matter that we'll touch on, and and some of the things that you experience in that role, what that agency is essentially charged with, what they oversee, and how important that is to understand uh, our health. And one of the things I wanted to accomplish with you on on this in this episode is, you know, for lack of better terms, just make people aware of the health code crisis that we're that we're dealing with. Um, you know, once we get their attention, talk about how that affects their long-term health, but then also give them some hope that mm -hmm. with daily habits that we can uh, you know, implement in our lives, uh, we, we can make tremendous changes. So, okay, you, you went from DH, DSHS, I always struggle saying that acronym, DSHS, to University of Texas. Hook em horns, right? Absolutely. Eddie. Okay, so tell me what you're doing here. I, I, I did mention that you were vice chancellor of health affairs and chief medical officer, but you know, I, I think people have an appreciation of what UT is. But give us a little um, definition of the footprint of UT system. The UT system is a very large. Um, I sometimes think of it as a federation of of, of schools across the the state of Texas. Fourteen institutions comprise the, the University of Texas system. In those 14 institutions, we have six traditional health science institutions, ranging from MD Anderson to you know, UTMB to UT Health Science Center in, in, in Tyler. Uh, and then we have uh, the traditional eight academic centers, but we have embedded two new additional medical schools within those those institutions, UTRGV and Dell. And so we now have Thank you for that. We're real excited in that's absolutely <laughs> they're they're doing great work down down in the valley. Uh, and so we have now six medical schools, two additional health science centers, and so a pretty large footprint, um, about two hundred thousand students across the uh, the system, about a hundred thousand faculty members, um, you know, large Large uh, healthcare delivery system, large educational uh, system in, in the state. So, n not just an academic uh, environment, but actually delivery of healthcare. Absolutely, we, we deliver um, a lot of healthcare. Again, ranging from MD Anderson, the number one cancer center in the in the nation, uh, UT Southwestern, the great work that they're doing up in Dallas, partnering uh, with uh, Presbyterian Healthcare System. In East Texas, there's a new partnership with UT Tyler, uh, and so now they have partnered with ETMC, so a large uh, footprint there. Houston, San Antonio, uh, and all the major metropolitan areas, uh, we have providers providing health care and education, training the next generation of physicians, nurses, pharmacists for the state. When you were e either in this position or at DSHS, and you were um, being briefed because seems you were in leadership positions, continue to be in leadership positions, and you were being briefed generally about the, the state of health mm -hmm. 
in in Texas. What did you how, how quickly or what information did you receive about you know issues with diabetes, issues with obesity, issues with sedentary lifestyles, and how we were trending compared to generations before us? Yeah. So. So I think health in Texas is very complicated. You know, if you look at a, a variety of rankings, we rank about 34th in the nation related to, to health. Um, but it depends on who you are and where you live in the state of Texas. We, we have significant what we call disparities. Um, you know, the, the rates of premature death in African Americans is higher than Caucasian individuals. Uh, we have uh, rural disparities. You know, there, there's higher rates of mortality in rural areas or in, in areas of poverty in, in the state of Texas. And so it, it depends on kind of who you are and where you live in, in the state. Now, now, we have many challenges uh, in mental health. You know, we've worked on mental health issues together, you know, trying to improve the mental health system in the state of Texas, uh, trying to get better integration of mental health services into to primary care. Uh, tobacco continues to be a driver of poor health, especially in East Texas. We lose about 28,000 Texans each year because of tobacco-related illnesses. And then obesity, you know, and, and it's one of those, those ongoing challenges that, that we have in the state and all the complications that occur from, from obesity and, and the diabetes that occurs, the arthritis that, that occurs, the uh, just overall um, inability to do what we need to do um, because of the, the complications of, of obesity. Th th let me give you a, an example, Eddie. Th there was a, a recent report that, that came out. Uh, it, was, it was done by three military generals, uh, and they, they called it too fat, frail, and, and out of breath. Uh, in that report, they demonstrated that about 73% of our kids in the state of Texas could not serve in the military because of physical fitness. What, what was that percentage? About 73%, wow. about one third of that was because the, the kids were overweight. And, and so uh, there's this huge cost to obesity. Uh, there was another report that came out from the, the comptroller uh, for the state of Texas, uh, Susan Combs. You may have remembered this in 2011. She put the price of obesity in the state of Texas to be $9 billion in 2009, and, and is estimated to go up to $32 billion for our businesses in the state of Texas by, by 2030. And so huge economic cost, huge human cost with the um, shorter lives, the inability to do the things that we, we want to be able to, to do um, because of obesity. You know, when I was growing up, I had issues with my own weight. Um, I, I, I liked foods that weren't good for me and I indulged quite a bit in those foods, but and it had its impact on my confidence, on my happiness. However, when I was about 17 or 18, I started really exercising. Yeah. And it just started with jogging around my neighborhood. And then it grew to lifting weights and doing mm -hmm. different things. But when I was a young man into my really mid-20s, mm -hmm. in my area of the state, there wasn't a lot of access to or choices when it came to fitness. Mm -hmm. You either did your own stuff at home or jogged, or you went to one or two big box gyms from that time fast forward to today which is roughly t a 10 to 15 year period there is significant choices for fitness right we have crossfit gyms yoga studios 
cycling studios. We it seems that we have a 5K or 10K or half marathon or marathon every weekend. Uh, there is a heightened awareness of the need for to exercise. I think people get it now, but there's not the adoption rate that we hope for. Mm-hmm. We're still struggling, right? We, sh- if you go to the mall or you go to any area in, in a populated city and you just sit down and people watch, an alarming amount of the people you see are going to have issues with weight. What I think is access is getting better, even in Brownsville, Texas, and I've seen. I'm sure you've seen this doc. We have farmers markets. We have hike and bike trails that are becoming a major priority for cities. So, where you mentioned that where you live, um, and whether rural or urban, and then the poverty level will have an impact. Do you feel that as a state, starting from our local communities on upward to the body I serve in in the legislature, we're doing a better job of planning and implementing policy to help with these issues? I, I think people are realizing the, the extent of the problem, but we still have a lot of work to do in the state of Texas. You know, right now about 34% of the adults in Texas are, are obese. Uh, if you look at those that are obese and overweight, it's almost 70% of, of our population in the state of Texas. And I, I think people are realizing the, the cost to health care be because of that. You know, diabetes is a very expensive illness on down the line. You know, it's, it's not just the insulin that you're taking. Um, it, it is the eye complications, the kidney complications, the dialysis that takes place. The, you know, I spent a lot of time as an infectious disease physician, and, and a lot of my work was taking care of diabetic foot ulcers. You know, when you lose the feeling in your toes and you don't realize there's that rock in your, in your shoe, and you get a, a little sore, and it gets infected and becomes a bigger sore. You know, th- these are very complex and costly um, health problems caused by obesity, and, and obesity being a you know, very complex issue. But you know, the food that we eat, the exercise we get, you know, are we incorporating daily ac- activity in, in, in what we do? Um, the lack of doing that is having these tremendous costs for the state of Texas. I have this self-proclaimed theory <laughs> that food is could be equated uh, like a drug. Uh, I think that we almost use food sometimes to self-medicate, right? I've had a hard day. Uh, I, I just want to eat something comforting. Yeah. Or our relationship with food, I think, is completely skewed. Uh, in, in addition to that, sometimes when we just want to spend time with someone, instead of just, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee or water or whatever, we try to schedule it around a meal. In your experience and you know the countless research projects that you've been, have had access to or been reported by, how, because uh, I know that they're doing things out there, right? So I, I look at communities like mine and they're, charity organizations like Proyecto Juan Diego and others that are going into the colonias and trying yes. to change how they prepare food, how they experience food. You know, is that is that a something that, that maybe you have some experience in or can agree to that we have a skewed relationship with food? Yeah, I, food. I absolutely b- believe we have a skewed relationship. Instead of just eating what we need to keep ourselves healthy, you know, we have so much food around us. You know, that the food that we eat is 
different than the food that our parents or grandparents ate. You know, we're not pulling something, you know, a carrot out of the garden or you know, harvesting the corn and, and, and eating it. It's processed food. Uh, a lot of times sugar is added to that. Um, I don't know about your family, but I, I sometimes tend to, to fall into eating out more often than, than I should just because it's easy uh, and it's, you know, not that much more expensive. But when you do that, you know, they, you know, our, our body is, is built to crave fat and sugar and dopamine is released in our brain and you, you get, you know, that satisfaction. And, and as you noted earlier, you know, it's, it's a cultural thing. Uh, you know, I have a lot of either business meetings over lunch or, you know, along, you know, friends that I want to talk to and let's go out and get something to eat. And um, it's easy to get in that environment to get a lot more calories into our body than we're burning off in, in the exercises that we're doing. I, I, I want to jump back a second. Please, please. Y you talked about Brownsville. Brownsville is doing great work. You know, mm -hmm. they, they were recognized by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation several years ago for the culture of health that they're trying to establish there. The establishment of walking trails, biking trails, the farmer's market, um, converting old railroads into places that you can ex exercise. You know, that's the type of community investment, uh, people at the local level figuring out how do they make their communities healthy that we need to spread across the state of Texas. So Brownsville's an anomaly. Uh, unfortunately, right yes. now we're we're ahead of the curve on that. I, I got to say, it makes me smile pretty wide. <laughs> I like to hear that that we're doing great in this area. You know, we talk about mental health. Yeah. One of the things that I've seen, Doc, and this might not be necessarily a medical uh, issue, but more of kind of a motivation issue, is when I've really seen someone change. Right. Mm -hmm. um, is when they've made up their minds, like they've absolutely committed to a healthcare program and a mm -hmm. fitness program and they go cold turkey and they go all in uh, they don't take it casually and that's when i see big change uh, otherwise what we sometimes see is people come work out at our studio and then they pick up a hamburger on the way home as much as you work out with us a hamburger on the way home is only going to get you incremental results have you either through dshs or through UT system uh, been privy to any studies on the mental side of health and wellness and fitness because uh, you you did say you know mental health is something that is yeah. important and in, and in, in an issue in our state yeah, mental health obviously is an issue in our state and 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 there's different types of mental health issues you know you have um you know, major mental health issues that need medication, and, and and that's not what I'm talking about. But, but, you know, after a long day, you and I may get down, and I find when I go out and walk and exercise that it elevates me, and I can come home earlier. You, you, you noted um, a little while ago the the hard decision of making a decision to, and, and then going cold turkey. A, a personal example for that, for, for me in my life, has been my dad. Okay. So, and so, so my dad, um, when he was in the military, you know, they gave him cigarettes. He started smoking. Uh, he became addicted to, to tobacco. Um, he came back home, married my mom. She had an influence uh, on him, and there came a day, and he just stopped. Okay, My dad is now 84. He retired three years ago. He is mowing the yard. He is exercising. Uh, 
his mind is totally with it. I wouldn't have the same dad I have today if 60 years ago he didn't go cold turkey and stop smoking cigarettes. I was a little surprised when you told me tobacco is still a big issue, a big issue as it is. Uh, it is know. the number one killer of Texans right now, preventable killer. Wow. 28,000 Texans die because of tobacco. And wow. that, that's the lung disease, it's the cardiovascular disease, it's the stroke, um, lung cancers, a variety of other cancers. Now, now, obesity is becoming another big driver of cancer, and again, because of the, the prevalence that we have. And, and so what, what type of cancers um, are you more likely to be to, to get if you're obese? Yeah, th there's a variety of cancers, you know, breast cancers, um, GI cancers. You know, so it, there's it, a direct it, link. It, it, it is a broad spectrum of cancers that, that your chances go up when, when you, you are obese. There's so much information, Doc, and, and maybe you can help us just give us a, a general principle when looking at all these diets, yeah. right? Because there's these diets. There's intermittent fasting, which I've talked about on the show, and I try to do at least four days a week, right? There's paleo, there's ketone, there's uh, mac macros, there's low fat, there's low carb, and everything in between. And all of them seem to be the solution to your weight loss issues. Uh, some of them also claim to be a solution to preventing things like Alzheimer's or cancer or, or various other I issues. So are you aware or how would you recommend our listeners to, to kind of sort through that sea of information? I think, I think you're right. There, there's a lot of different diets, and you know, the recommendations sometimes change. And I think I need to be careful in, in my family and, and my friends of, of not following the next fad diet that, that, that's out there because that's, that's, that's easy to do. I think it's exciting. It's new. You want to try. You read a new it, book, right? and your friends doing it, etc. Um, versus having good nutritional principles of what you're trying to do, um, you know, cutting out the extra calories, cutting out the the, the sugar that, that you're you're taking in, um, drinking water instead of whatever other beverage. Like uh, the coffee in front of me, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I drink tea and other, other things. But but um, instead of that sugary drink, you know, something that doesn't have that excess sugar in it, um, eating more of a plant-based diet, you know, carrots and green beans and a lot of those things that our forefathers ate much much more of, um, you know, good meat, you know, and I I, I have. You know, I know there's, and I respect the folks that are whole, ve uh, pure vegetarian. I, um, I think there's a balance there, and I, I uh, in, in, in the meat, but but steering away from that super processed food that has been designed to really get your dopamine released in your head. You know, the the, the, the extra calories, the extra fat, et cetera. You know, the, the more of a a basic nutritionist diet fruits and vegetables, getting more, doing more on the fruits and vegetable side and less of the sugary, refined, baked things that, that we seem to crave. Right. Uh, there's two more really important issues that I want to make sure mm -hmm. we get to. I think that when someone's deciding to do something that's a heavy lift, right, like saving for retirement, for example, 
it seems so far away or it seems a, a little bit obscure because it's not yeah. you know you don't see the benefits tomorrow right i could start exercising today and i could start eating better but it takes time so kind of to equate that to let's say savings when i really became a aware of the importance of savings was when I sat down with a financial planner and they said, look, this is what you can achieve if you were to do this just yeah. little by little. So this is the bigger picture. You can retire and live off of X if you were to do this every day, year after year, with an average interest rate of X growth per year. Is there something you can equate? Like, look, we've seen, it, you know, if you were to cut out processed foods, exercise one hour, five days a week, that you're likely to not only avoid some of these diseases we talk about, but also increase your quality of health and your life expectancy. No, I, I think that's, that's absolutely true. And, and I, I think we have to be careful in, in the audience today that there's a variety of people that are li can be listening. And, and I think a lot of this advice isn't for the super athlete. You know, they, they will have their diets and very refined and and you know, run I don't have marathon. to motivate them. You don't they're, have to motivate they're, them. They're got it. Yeah. Where I think we need to work on is the the forty year old, fifty year old, and younger person that is uh, now obese and becoming um, morbidly obese. You know, how do we get them to start walking, to start eating healthier, and the ones that are over overweight? You know, I think that's where a lot of value, and and, and that population definitely, as as we can get them to lose just a few pounds, you know. 10 pounds, 5%, 10% of, of their body weight, they will, um, they will see that benefit. You start noticing that your hips don't hurt as much, you know, when you, your knees don't hurt as, as much. You start noticing that, you know, I can walk, instead of just a couple of blocks, I can start walking a half, half mile, mile, et cetera. Uh, and, and so I think it starts with some little steps. I think there has to be a commitment to, to that, though. You know, you think big, you start small sometimes. And you, you, you make sure that you don't load up uh, when you go to the grocery store with unhealthy foods. You, you don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry. Uh, and, and when you go um, and you put the store food in your pantry or wherever you do, and, and you put it uh, where your kids are going to get it, you know, put the nutritious uh, items there that they can get a, get a hold of and not the candy bars and the, the cookies and everything else that we, we crave. We crave. Yeah. And I want to talk about kids here in a second. But, you know, we talk about having something to get people's attention and motivate them. Yeah. There are several people who suffer from chronic illnesses, uh, autoimmune diseases, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. We had a guest not too long ago that put a bunch of time and effort. He was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, his uh, prognosis was not great. Uh, he was a young man. They said within seven years he'd be in a wheelchair. He was a very athletic man. Um, and he said, well, instead of just accepting that as true, I'm going to learn as much as I can, go out there, research, get on forums, do everything I can to see if there's anybody who, because of a change in their lifestyle, was able to overcome their medical issues. So he claims that through intermittent fasting, he was able to completely get off all medications, uh, is, has zero symptoms after seven, eight plus years of rheumatoid, the initial diagnosis. I, is that something you've seen, that a person just completely changes their lifestyle, eats organic, uh, s sleeps, drinks water, exercises it, now all of a sudden 
medicine can't really explain, but they're no longer suffering from lupus or whatever it may be. I, I think it's always complex with autoimmune di diseases, that they're just complex diseases. Um, I think where a lot of that data is probably more solid are things like hypertension. You know, so what's hypertension? So, so high blood pressure. Okay. Okay. And, and so there, there's been um, rethinking about high blood pressure with, with the, the lowering of the blood pressure rates to define. Uh, part of that goal in – So it, tell, tell it, me it, why that's important because every time I go to the doctor, and, mm -hmm. I, and I'm sorry for my ignorance, but every time I go to the doctor, they take my blood pressure. Yeah. Why is that so important? So, so about 39% of people in Texas, adults, are, are classified as high blood pressure. And so – you know, that's the pressure in your arteries, you know, the, the pressure that your heart is pumping against every beat. It, it is the pressure of, of the blood that's going up into, into your, to your brain, you know, the pressure of the, of the blood that's going into your kidneys. And um, just like high water pressure can be damaging to, to pipes, um, that high pressure on the blood in those vital organs can damage them. Uh, and so uh, if a the wall of a artery in the brain becomes weak because of that, that pressure and burst, you can have a stroke. If the heart has trouble pushing against that, that, that pressure, uh, you can have a heart attack. Uh, that long-term pressure can um, cause significant damages to, to your kidneys. So it, the doctor says, hey, I'm a little concerned with your blood pressure. Take it seriously. Take it seriously. And, and so there's different ways that you take it seriously. You know, if, if you have really high blood pressure, yeah, you need to get put on medicines. They're safe medicines. That blood thinners. Low, yeah, not, not blood, blood thinners, but blood pressure medicines. Blood and thinners, so, okay. Uh, things that, that relax the blood, um, the pressure that the walls of the artery is, is constricting. Uh, but there's also good data that you start exercising. Okay, and, and real exercising, and not just a few walks, but, and, and that's a good place to start, but real exercise, you can decrease your blood pressure. Uh, that and, and diet, and your blood pressure can go, go down, and you will decrease that chance that you'll have that stroke when you're in your late 50s, you know, early 60s, or that you're in that heart attack, or that you um, get put on dialysis. And, and so uh, I think that's a, a real evidence-based initiative that that exercise diet can have a profound impact on health conditions so, so that's a direct very quantifiable tangible yeah. benefit that, that affects a, a that large that number of people right mm -hmm. um, but we also know some of it is not as clear but we also know that issues dealing with cancer mm -hmm. and uh, alzheimer's and other diseases that we might be prone to uh, we could impact whether or not we ultimately suffer from those by the lifestyle we adapt. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So I'm just curious, and I know we, I didn't really prep you for this, but I'm just curious, like, do you have an opinion on this proliferation of weight loss surgeries that seem to really be uh, a popular option? You know, like, I don't know if I can stay committed to a diet and stay committed to exercise and if I go get this weight loss surgery, I'm going to drop 80 pounds. I think for the right patient, that is an option that needs to be considered and, and, and paid for. Uh, I think that's a limited number of folks, though. Do you think uh, more it, people are getting these procedures than I I don't know if I can tell you should. exactly. I, I, but I, I, 
I, I think the majority of folks that have an extra 20 pounds, 30 pounds, instead of thinking about that and the bariatric, we call bariatric surgery, and, right. and, you know, and it's, it's an invasive surgery. You know, it's a safe surgery, but it is an invasive surgery, going in and uh, making the stomach smaller and bypassing, you know, the, the, the stomach. Um, I, I have concern that, that if even for those individuals, if that's not coupled with change of lifestyle, because I've seen people gain the weight back, can, can come right yeah. back. Um, and, and prior to doing that and considering that, the you know, getting a, a trainer and getting a dietitian and coaching and uh, changing the lifestyle and seeing how that can impact be before you go down that, that route. Again, I, I, I know there's folks that, you know, people that are bedridden and, you know, don't. Uh, knees don't work. Knees don't work. Yeah. And, 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 and so, so for, for some individuals, uh, that is an option that needs to be considered. I think for most of Texas, most of uh, Americans, um, we just need to get better at getting off the, the, the couch and exercising and, uh, doing other activities of, of daily living and looking what kind of food that we have in our, our cupboard, in our, in our pantry, and kind of rethink those areas of our life before you go into having an invasive surgery. Like really commit to doing other things first. Yeah. When I was in school, the elementary school, the, and I've seen this multiple times in, in different contexts, they were trying to make a, a big change with um, issues with drugs, right? Just Say No was this huge program. And I remember asking a teacher back then, why are they starting with us? I mean, we're in elementary school, right? We, none of us are doing drugs, we're, we're kids. And I remember what she said, it stuck with me for a long time. She's like, well, we think the greatest change can happen if we instill it in your generation. As you grow older, you'll have this mindset that these things are bad. So when we talk about issues with diabetes, obesity, weight, all the various medical conditions that can derive from, from having those problems, we, we, we look at kids, right? And we've, I've seen some reports that this is the first generation of children that's going to live a shorter life expectancy mm -hmm. than its parents. And, w and you have kids, right? I, I have three. Three. Good, God bless you. <laughs> I have two. Three sounds um, quite a lot of work. But it, I, I'm trying to figure out, and I, I actually, when you were talking earlier, how we help parents with kids who, because it's easy, you pick up food on the way home, right? And the stuff, we have a few really cool health food restaurants in Brownsville. My kids don't like that stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I'm providing lunch for a, a elementary school in Brownsville tomorrow as a thank you. I'm, I adopted a class as an office, and I was trying to, plan with the principal and we couldn't find a healthy thing that she believed the kids would eat and so let's talk about that what have you experienced either in your own family or as a medical professional in trying to develop a way to get kids bought into their health yeah. so, so i think part of the advantage of um, educating kids is that they come on you know my, my kids come home and if I'm doing something unhealthy, et cetera, then they let me know about it, you mm -hmm. know? And, and so if you want to change the, uh, the activities of adults, you, you can educate the kids. And then especially if you um, 
change the behavior of mom and what she buys, et cetera. That's going to change what you and me, you know, are, and our health. Kids have tremendous buying power and tremendous influence over their yep. parents and adults. Yep. Uh, I rem- recycling is a great example of that. Yep. When they really started to hone in on that in elementary mm-hmm. school, our kids came home and been like, nope, you got to recycle. You can't put that in the yep. trash can. And so, so I think that's part of that philosophy of why you need to educate the, the, the kids. I think on our role as, as, as parents, um, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to get your, at least for me, to, to get my kids to always eat peas or green beans. And especially if there's a cookie over there that, you know, my, my six-year-old, my, my seven-year-old now uh, wants, um, you know, it, it's hard to, to convince them. So, so I, but they're going to eat. Right, they, they, they you know get hungry enough. You're you're going to eat, and again, I'm not starving my kids. That that you you sit behind the, the table, and if you've sat behind it, you know, 30 minutes, you know, my kids will start eating something because they're, they're hungry. And, and so I think that's part of the the need to have those nutritionist nutritionist food options there for for our kids, and, and not have our house packed with the sodas and, and, and the junk food. You know, and, you, and you start them early and you do it one at a time, you know, and get them to acquire a, a taste for carrots and corn and you know, green fresh beans, fruits and fresh fruits and, and vegetables, especially if their peers are doing the same. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to. A- and doc, let me ask yeah. you, cause I'm always curious about this. Like yeah. my wife and I had this, we talk about fresh. Is there from a nutritional perspective a big difference between, let's say, fresh broccoli and frozen broccoli from the frozen food aisle. Because from a convenience standpoint, the frozen food aisle broccoli, without the sauce, they sell it in a steamable bag. I can throw in the microwave and microwave for five minutes, open it, throw it in a bowl, it's ready to go. And thank God my daughter loves broccoli. Uh But the fresh broccoli, it's an entirely different ordeal. I mean, is there a big difference between frozen Steamable bag, broccoli from Green Giant versus the stuff out of the produce set. So, so I can't quote you the exact data right, right, right. now. But, but I, I think, you know, the more fresh, the more the vitamins that, 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 that are, are there. On the other hand, I'd much rather have my child eat that, that broccoli that was frozen than the candy bar or <laughs> anything else, right? Or, or the Happy Meal. Or, or, the, or the Happy, yeah. Right. Yeah, the Happy uh, Meal. And, and so – um, yeah, there's probably absolute you know, people that would argue absolutely the only thing fresh. I, I think Cause realistically, organic, and organic's expensive. That organic, was that, my organic's next question. Expe- yeah, organic's ex- expensive, and and I think um, I, I think there so sometimes you know, you know what you have to do to get that label. You know, is it really organic or not? And, and there's that huge price differential there. Um, again, I, I think. I've just kind of learned to think practically as a as a dad or whatever a dad and as a physician, and um, I, I would rather them to eat maybe some vegetables that had been frozen than the other things that that would be eaten. And then, if I can, and, and my my oldest son then is more on the pure or, or, or you know the the real fresh side. So, so right, but, you know, like and it's never it's, frozen. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> so, so I think there's a kind of a continuum in my family of, of where I'm trying to get my youngest son, who's seven, versus my almost 21 year old son, uh, as they are in a different time phase of their life. Yeah, I, I really want to. My goal is figure out a way to make it as simple as possible. 
in some ways it is simple right don't eat fried foods don't eat you know uh, processed foods just eat fruits vegetables and lean proteins right mm -hmm. but on the other hand that that is the most simplistic way to, to put it but on the other hand it's probably the hardest thing we do as humans right is to maintain a healthy lifestyle so I, I'm trying to figure out a way to make it as as simple as possible, as user friendly yeah. As, yeah. as possible. Uh, and I think that's important. And and, and the other th uh, component of this that we haven't talked about is that, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables aren't always cheap. Nope. And and sometimes the unhealthy option is the least expensive option, and it's the one that is marketed, etc. And and so for for a lot of the families across Texas, you know it. They feel compelled to buy, you know, you get the inexpensive calories, not realizing the long-term impact of those inexpensive ca um, calories on your blood vessels, on your brain, your heart, your, your, your kidney. I, I absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. you know, our, our gym's fee is pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. um, we think we deliver an incredible return on investment for that. What you get from our gym, I think, is, is, is worth every single penny. But there is a, a cost barrier to joining a premium studio. In addition, I've, you know, right now I'm in probably some of the best shape of my life. I mean, I could probably lose another three to five pounds, but really I feel great. Um, but it's expensive for me to maintain this shape because I work with a nutritionist. I belong to a studio. The foods I buy that are recommended by a nutritionist are not cheap, right? Uh, so I hope that the entry or the access to the lifestyle I'm living becomes more affordable. And I think with time it does. I remember when VCRs cost $1,000. <laughs> and now, you know, I can, I can, I don't even need really anything but my smartphone to stream movies, right? So I think it's going to become uh, more accessible and, and easier for people to maintain this lifestyle. But there is a cost issue right now. Just a, a few more questions. I want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, I forgot to mention, uh, Dr. Lakey here has a, a history of competing in powerlifting and had great success uh, nationally at the state level. And so he himself has, has walked and, and talked that fitness journey. So t t tell us uh, uh, about your history with, with competitive weightlifting. That, that's a long time ago. But, but <laughs> I, uh, so I grew up you know, when I was uh, in middle school, I was a pretty thin kid, and and there were kids that would harass you if you were the smallest kid around. And I quickly learned that the way to get out of that was to um, lift gain weights, weight, yeah. lift weights, get some muscle. And, and so uh, I was on the wrestling team, and then started competing in, in powerlifting meets. And uh, again, this was a long time ago, but um, was a state champion. Um, and then a Midwestern champion in, in powerlifting. Again, but that's 30-plus years ago. You know, it's interesting. The, the people that I feel stick with fitness the longest are usually, usually transition into some type of competition, mm -hmm. right? They do triathlons. They do marathons. They do obstacle course racing or whatever. But it, it's interesting that people start working out, but then find the need to do something it, to compete or, or get involved. Yeah, and I do things differently now than I did 30 years ago. You know, and I, you know, I spent a lot of time in the gym when I was in my late teens, early 20s. I, um, I've always found it, 
you know, I, I do more exercise if I do something I like. Right. You know, and if there's a, people around me that are encouraging me. And so, you know, I like bike riding now and mountain bike riding and hiking. Uh, plus, getting back into the gym and doing other aerobic exercises in, in the gym. You know, it, it's, I, uh, not only do I feel better physically, feel better mentally, you know, have time to, to think while I'm doing that and, and enjoy it. And um, I've always found exercise to be something that's important. Absolutely. And I, I think you said something that's very important. We sometimes, or I see people who absolutely hate jogging, right? But they've made up their mind that that's the quickest way to lose weight. So that's what they're doing for exercise. And it's torture for them every time they go out to yeah. jog. Uh, so finding something that you actually enjoy. You might not like jogging, but you love basketball. Mm -hmm. Well, go play basketball, yeah. right? Yeah, you may not like jogging, but you love to kick the soccer ball around or chase the kids around or whatever it may be. So I think that's really important. Doc, is there, is there anything that, that you uh, prepared for that you maybe wanted to discuss that we didn't get to? No, I, I, again, just uh, appreciate your, your interest in, in this issue. Uh, again, I, I think there's part of it, personal responsibility of, of you know, how do we make time in our lives to do this. I, I think there's also good examples of Brownsville and kind of the community responsibility of making sure that there's – if, if I, as a physician, tell you to go out and exercise, but there isn't a place for you to exercise, you know, that, that, that's not helpful. If I tell you to go out and, and eat healthy and you don't have that option, that's not helpful. And so community work to, to make sure that those healthy options are available. I think we're rethinking things you know, at the state level related to how we take care of our kids and making sure our kids get exercise in school, that our kids, if they're in after-school care, that they're not just – plopped in front of a TV set and, and fed French fries, you know, that, that there's good nutrition there, that there's activity that, that, that takes, takes place there. You know what I do with my daughter, Doc? Uh, she earns her allowance with how many miles she does on the treadmill. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and she has a cartoons playing while she's on the treadmill. So she's like, yeah. oh, that's two miles. Yeah. Give me my $5. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. yeah that's that's yeah. something we recently implemented. Yeah. So it's going to take all of us, you know, right. the work site, making sure we, you know, take care of our employees, that we have the, those options there. It's going to take all of us working on multiple levels if we're going to solve this huge issue for the state of Texas. When you said you said something right now, prioritizing, mm -hmm. one of the biggest uh, pushbacks we get when we're telling someone that they need to come try Orange Theory or workout period, not necessarily just in our studio, is, oh, I just don't have the time for it. That immediately signifies to me is they're not making fitness a priority. But the things we make a priority, we accomplish. I don't think I'd ever say, oh, I just don't have time to spend with my kids. No, I make it a priority, and no matter how busy I am with whatever I'm involved with, I'm going to spend time with my kids. Mm -hmm. And I think we're at a time now where we, uh, as educated adults, know the importance of implementing fitness into our lives. So... Uh, I, I, I just don't believe that someone doesn't have time to work out. I, I think there are people that are struggling. Yeah. You know, they may be working two jobs and you know, trying to raise a family. Uh, for those individuals, you know, how do you incorporate physical activity in your normal activities? And so you know, I, I walk to places, you know, you ride your bicycle, do those other things. Um, that's kind of a minimum. 
There's right. a lot of people yeah. not in that category. Yeah, we, we yeah. need to get 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 those. You know, you know, how, how do you get that the, the basic level of exercise? Um, but then we need to move beyond that. And I think other folks, as you're saying, need to make it a priority. Find the time. Uh, and if you're not motivated by your, yourself, you know, how do you get a coach, champion, somebody, or a friend to, to keep you accountable, to, to make sure that, that um, we're doing what we said we do? Because, again, I, you know, I brought up my dad earlier. I, I want to be like my dad. I want to be 84 years old and mowing my yard yeah. and driving around. And um, I want to shoot my age in I, golf at that time. Yeah, I shoot, yeah. So, so you don't have time now. You're not going to have that time later in, in life. Absolutely. Well, Doc, thank you so much for your time. To our listeners, we have a, a, a lot of takeaways from this episode. I think sometimes we start a fitness journey out of for vanity's sake uh, to feel and look better. But there, there's so many more, so much more, so, so much more benefits uh, that we can get from a healthy lifestyle. Uh, there's alarming statistics of how many people in our state are overweight, of the cost of, of obesity and, and diabetes to uh, the healthcare system and to us personally. And so although all these things exist, although we still struggle, there is a lot of hope and access to healthy living is becoming greater. And so we just encourage you and will continue to commit to providing you as much information as we can to not only get you started in a fitness journey, but to help you sustain it. So with that, we continue to encourage you to live an all-out life. Thank you for tuning in.